Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. I am your co-host, Jay Allen Cross. I am joined here by... Britton Boyd, also known as Archaic Honey on Instagram. And today is a very, very special day in the Invoking Witchcraft family, because even though you guys are hearing this probably a couple of months from now, um, in our time, it is March 3rd which means today is the day that we have officially launched the podcast. It has begun. We have now started to drop them weekly, and we are very excited and also very terrified. How are you feeling about it all, Britton? <laughs> uh, equal parts terrified and excited. But, you know, we have been recording now for a couple of months. So we've been getting into this flow of recording the podcast, and like we've released mm-hmm. um, as of today, March 3rd, we've released three episodes so far, right? Yes, including our kind of teaser trailer one. Right, our trailer episode. Yeah, so it feels, I don't know, it just feels kind of crazy. It feels like we're in a time warp, too, where we're, t- where we're like, going to be releasing this episode in the future. Right. But today's March 3rd. so it's We're like- in the past, but we're speaking to people in the future. <laughs> yes. <laughs> little time travel. A little bit of time travel. And so if you are a listener who has been with us from the beginning so far, please know that we are very, very grateful for your presence. We're not sure exactly where this will go. So this is probably the 10th or 11th episode that we're going to be releasing. And if you have stuck with us thus far, we just want to say thank you. And if you guys want to get in touch with us at all, make sure, of course, you can find us over on Instagram at Invoking Witchcraft. Um, There you can also join our coven and uh, get to know us better in the Facebook group. So uh, definitely go and check that out as well. Yeah, we're doing these weekly live Q&As in our Facebook group. So if you are a coven member, you can go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven and join the coven. And for $5 a month, you can have conversations with Jay and I once a week, every Friday, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And it gets weird and it's fun. And we talk about witchcraft and the paranormal and all of that stuff. So come and join us. Yeah, it's been really nice so far because, you know, we do have, as a new podcast, we have a very small group that's sort of joining us. So it's been very intimate. We've gotten to really get to know a few people, which is great. Also, even if you do join and there are more people, we have saved our back lives as well. So you can go back and look at them. So even if you haven't joined yet and it's already week 10 or, you know, however long we've had this podcast out by the time you're listening to this, um, there will already be content and past lives. You can listen to our answers, see what people have been asking, um, and you can go through them. So we have all of them archived as well. So you can learn from us kind of retroactively and then join us too every week on the Fridays as well. So there's a, a lot of learning to be done around this. Yes, we also have a free workshop available within the coven. So you can get two hours of learning about spirit work with us um, within the coven. So we would love to see you there if you're interested. 
All right, you guys, we have a very exciting episode for you today. We're talking about one of our favorite subjects. Uh, Earlier in the season, we talked about divination. And today we are going to be kind of narrowing it down to a specific form of divination that both Britton and I really love. And that is tarot. Uh, We're gonna be talking about the tarot cards. Um, We're gonna be talking about some beginner things. Uh, But first of all, something that's kind of been the talk of the internet for about a couple of weeks now is the idea that everything has become to close has become a closed practice in the last couple of months. Um, in fact, it's to the point where uh, witch talk, uh, where most of this is coming from, has also declared that witchcraft is a closed practice. So uh, we all need to buckle up, you know, pack up our things and head on out because apparently we're not allowed to do anything anymore. One of the things that has surfaced is the idea that tarot is also a closed practice. Um, And that's something that we want to kind of dispel right at the top of this. The fact that uh, tarot is not a closed practice. Uh, Several people decided to try and tell a bunch of people that it was specifically a Romani practice and was closed to Romani folk. We have found this to be untrue um, through not only our interactions with Romani people, um, but actually looking at the history of tarot itself. So if you are concerned about that, um, we want to just kind of address that at the top of the page and also tell you not to take advice from people who try to hex the moon. Um, That's just a general life thing. Um, And I believe, Britton, didn't you say that you at one point, learned tarot from a Romani woman? I did. I took a class with a Romani woman. And at no point during the class and the teachings, um, I worked with her for a couple of weeks. She never indicated that it was a closed practice. And as a matter of fact, she she gave us history lessons. And from what I can remember, now this is what I can remember, (laughs) is that the first tarot deck that was used was commissioned by the Sforza family in Italy. Uh, I believe in the 14 or 1500s. Mm-hmm. You can fact check me if you want. but And you should always fact check everybody anyway. So. Yes, and, and always fact check us. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. So I was never given any indication that tarot was a closed practice and she taught it. To all, to all the folks there in the class. So, yeah, I think that that's tarot feels pretty universal. Plus, there are so many different types of tarot mm-hmm. and card can, divination in general. Right. Um, from playing cards to, um, you know, in in the Latinx culture that I come from, we have the the cards as well that are the, the La Baraja ones that are. Um, it's basically tarot. It's like clubs and coins and cups and uh, knives and things like that. And it's it's a similar idea to tarot. Mm-hmm. So we, we do find cardomancy, which is kind of divination with cards um, in a lot of different places. Tarot itself um, has a specific history. But what I feel like we're seeing a lot these days with everyone claiming that everything from I, I had somebody attack one of my friends online because they said that sweeping herbs out the front door was a closed practice. (laughs) And what I think we're seeing nowadays is actually people trolling. And we need to be very aware of what information is good and what information is trolling. Because in our community, we do have quite a few people who are 
white supremacists or at least leaning in that direction. And I find that a lot of the time they're feeling that if they can sort of discredit this idea that things are closed, then people will stop talking about them and then they'll get access to them once more. So don't let the trolls win, you know, get actual good information and don't just believe that everything is closed because they want you to, you know, do your research and make sure that while you are respecting closed traditions and magic and work from communities of color and marginalized people, that you're not also getting trolled at the same time. We, we need to kind of make sure that we maintain that balance. But that being said, let's talk about tarot. When did you first start doing tarot? So I'm a late bloomer, or at least I feel like I'm a late bloomer because most witches that I speak to, they're like, oh yeah, I got my first tarot deck when I was seven years old. And I'm like, I got my first tarot deck when I was 24. (laughs) (laughs) So I was 24 when I got my first tarot deck. And I bought it, by the way. Ah, I think that's an important thing to bring up. Right. So there's this idea, and this is like one of the number one questions that I get asked about tarot is, do you have to buy, like be gifted your tarot deck in order for it to work for you? And I would say that's a hard no. Absolutely not. You can definitely buy your own tarot deck. And honestly, you probably should, because there's nothing worse than somebody buying you a tarot deck that you just don't connect with. Right. And then you're like, I'm stuck with this one. <laughs> And then what do you do when you find that like beautiful, perfect tarot deck on the internet and you're like, oh, I really want it. Do you have to like go around and beg folks to like buy it for you? Like that would be kind of weird. That's just not a good look. And we have to remember that these practices, you know, that are witchcraft adjacent, you know, are about self-empowerment. So go get your deck. Mm -hmm. Buy it. Go buy it. And support independent tarot, uh, tarot deck makers as well. I love all the tarot kickstarters that I find on Mm. the internet and like really beautiful, unique decks are rolling out big time right now. So definitely go support artists and stuff and buy those decks. Yeah. People are making some really, really beautiful things. Um, There was, I wish I remembered her name. Um, The, the person who created the golden thread tarot deck, which is one of the most beautiful decks I've ever had. And in fact, I, It's so pretty that I don't use it (laughs) because I'm afraid of messing it up. But it's a very sturdy deck. They're made out of like this really thin plastic. So they're really hardy, but they're very thin. So when you shuffle it, they purr. It's like a it's like the Ferrari of tarot decks. But the person who created I I believe they're a woman, if I'm remembering this correctly. I'm so sorry if I'm wrong. Um, But they also created several apps that go with it. There's the Golden Thread Tarot app, which will allow you to do spreads from the app. And I find it to actually work very well. I'm, I'm not a big fan of divination apps, but this one actually is, is very well done. As well as they created a game called Labyrinthos Academy, which is a game to help you learn tarot. That's so cool. Yeah, so it'll like pull up a card and be like, this one is associated with, and it'll give you like multiple choice answers. And then that way you can kind of get to know the tarot cards through a game. And that was very helpful for me too, when I was learning. I love that. So when did you first get your deck? Um, that is a great question. So I've always kind of been around tarot. I, I grew up with a mother who, who read tarot and um, she would have friends over and they would sit. I, I have these memories of her in our dining room at night um, with a friend 
and she would have candles lit and she would be reading their cards for them. So I, I've always kind of been exposed to tarot. And then I would, um, you know how like some kids play with their mom's makeup or play with, you know, the, you know, their shoes or whatever. I was always trying to play with their tarot deck. Um, <laughs> and so that was kind of my introduction to it of working with it and learning kind of about um, the swords and the cups and all that stuff. Um, but it wasn't until I was a teenager, probably 14 ish um, that I actually got my first real tarot deck. And even then I, I, I used it occasionally, you know, like when I had big questions, but I didn't really dive into it until about uh, six, seven years ago when I just decided that I was going to start reading tarot and I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what the individual cards meant. I just had a tarot deck and just refused to fail. So <laughs> I just, I, I had a friend who I started reading for on a regular basis because we were coworkers and we'd kind of go to, you know, we get off work, we go to, to the pub up the street and sit in a booth and I would read her cards. And so I would just kind of throw them down and whatever came to me or whatever I saw in them, I would relate to her and found out that it, was mostly accurate. And then after I got comfortable with that, then I started learning what the actual cards meant. So I, I approached it a little bit differently <laughs> where I, I learned the divination process first and then the actual, you know, traditional meanings of the cards as mm -hmm. most people tend to learn the traditional meanings of the cards first and then get comfortable with the kind of the divination aspect of it. But I've always been weird like that. <laughs> I love that though. I mm -hmm. think that it establishes a really nice intimate connection with the cards rather than like learning the rules first, like you just kind of go by intuition first and like mm -hmm. develop your own relationships to each card. Absolutely. What was your learning process like? Gosh, it was pretty haphazard. I remember I first got my deck and I tried to give a friend a tarot reading. I was just like, I'm just going to do it. And I threw the cards down and I felt really embarrassed because I just completely drew a blank and I was like, I can't help you. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Very embarrassing. That um, still happens to me, though, occasionally, where you're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Especially when you're pulling, like, all court cards. That's the most frustrating to me when my deck is like, here's a bunch of court cards. Here's a bunch of people. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was a, I'm a book nerd, so I just bought a bunch of books um, I listened to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour show. That is mm -hmm. such a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to that and they do like divination on the show. So um, I just listened to other readers and I listened to their way methods and in the way that they interpret the cards. Um, and then, yeah, I did get into more traditional, like learning um, the traditional meanings of the cards and stuff. but the way that I really learned tarot was I started doing free readings. Mm -hmm. And back in the day when Biddy Tarot, do you know Biddy Tarot? I love Biddy Tarot. I know Biddy Tarot is like the tarot resource on the internet. They had a, like a group that you could join and exchange free readings with other folks in exchange for feedback. Oh. So I started doing that and it was a really organized process. Like you could get really busy doing free readings for folks. And I received feedback, I would say about 50% of the time, because a lot of times people just take the reading and run. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot 
about my reading style, how to communicate with a client and how to interpret and things like that. So that's how I really like the meat and potatoes of my learning was through that process. And you bring up an excellent point about how to communicate it to the client, because that's something that beginners don't think about of, you know, they're, they're more interested in, you know, how do I read the cards? But once you read it, sometimes the cards are spicy and learning to deliver things like he's cheating on you or um, your problems are created by you. um, Things like that, learning how to deliver these messages with tact um, and, you know, or without fear, you know, if you see something big and scary coming up, you know, how to coach them through that instead of being like, no, everything's going to fall apart for you. Have a great evening. <laughs> like, right. So yeah, yeah kinda, interpersonal work. Yes. And learning how to develop your bedside manner. Yes. Um, because sometimes you are delivering really hard news or just like, you know, you get the nine of swords, the eight of swords and the three of swords back to back. And you got to explain that to somebody. So you just go, oof. <laughs> yeah, you go, oh, let's uh, redo. Just gonna, oh, Lord, we're going to pretend we didn't see that. No, sometimes you just got to dive in, though. And you just, I just say a little prayer for grace and loving messages. However, I have found sometimes that some people do kind of want to get their ass handed to them. I I had one girl that I was reading for and the tarot was very specific that the reason why their life is total crap is because they're not taking charge. Like they're creating drama, all this stuff. Like it was all their own mess. And I was trying to kind of like hedge around it and kind of like be like, well, you know, there's possibilities that maybe we should, you know, do blah, 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 or whatever. And she just wasn't having it. So finally, I just said, look, it looks like this is all self-created and something that you did. And she was like, you know, that actually makes sense. And I was like, okay, fine, good. Sometimes you do just got to shoot straight. But those are that's kind of a skill that you'll develop as you go is kind of learning how to interact with people. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and also play a role of support. I did a tarot reading for a person once who it the card showed me that like somebody very important in her life had passed away and I didn't want to say it. And I didn't say it. And she started, she started weeping because she already knew like she, Mm -hmm. she picked up on it too. So being able to like support folks through really intense emotions is something that you have to be prepared for if you're going to read professionally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not necessarily something that we we have on the docket for today, but I am wondering about it now. Do you have tarot pet peeves, either as a reader or things that you see people do that you've ran across? Oh, what irritates me is, is when you're doing readings for folks, like say you're at an event or yeah, you're like at a reading fair or at a bar or something mm-hmm. like that. And people see you that you're doing tarot readings and they want a tarot reading and they they sit sit next to you and they're like, tell my fortune. <laughs> and I'm like, about what? <laughs> you're like, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, just give me something to go off of. Like, it's really difficult for a tarot reader for you to I mean, some of them maybe some folks may be talented with this, but I it's a pet peeve of mine for someone to just sit down and be like, read my fortune. Tell me what's up. And I'm like, 
okay, like it's going to be vague and the reading's not going to be that great because mm-hmm. it's like the more specific you are about what it is mm-hmm. that you want to have read on, the more specific the answer. 100%. Yes, I, I have ran into that before too. And when I was first starting out, I actually would tell them not to tell me what they wanted to know about. But I, I have them shuffle the cards and I would tell them, you ask the question kind of in your head, like focus on what it is you want to know while you shuffle them and then hand them back to me. And then I would often be able to kind of suss out what it was that they were asking about based on the cards. However, now I ask at least for a general category, like, are we talking about your love life? Or are we talking about your work mm-hmm. or whatever? Because it's so easy without that framing or that anchoring for the reading to think it's about something completely different or give them something that's very vague. But once you know kind of the arena that you're working in, then you can give them more specifics. Mm -hmm. You know, things like, and it doesn't have to be very detailed things like, you know, I'm having trouble at work and feeling very stuck. What can I do? Mm -hmm. Or um, I'm having problems in my love life or things like that, or my relationship that can be really helpful. Yeah, I think the common conception of what tarot is like in popular culture is like you go to the tarot reader and she tells you your fortune and your future and, and when you're going to die and when you're going to die. But like that's not really how it works. Um, and if you are getting a tarot reading from someone like that, it's probably more for in entertainment purposes mm-hmm. than it is for like digging into a, a topic or a subject or something that you're curious about. But I love to get into conversation with the person. And I always want to find that, that little point. I just want to get into the underbelly. I want to find what it is that you're really, really wanting to know about. And it's fascinating when you get into to discussion with people with the cards and you can kind of start peeling back layers and like, and find that thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like one of I have like two major tarot pet peeves. The the one is like, you know, like if you're at an event or whatever and, and you're doing tarot or anytime you're doing tarot or a tarot reading in public, mm-hmm. it tends to draw a crowd of people who want to watch. Right. And I'm like, first of all, like tarot can be very personal, very deeply personal. And so years happen. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Like, I mean, and it's not uncommon for me to be reading for somebody and be like, so here's your husband and here's the man you're seeing on the side. Like, people's stuff falls out in the tarot. Mm-hmm. And I I don't feel comfortable airing people's laundry in front of a crowd. So people often think that I'm really bitchy because I'll be like, hi, can you all just not be here right now? Like, if you want to, like go sign up somewhere else and like, you know, create a list or something for who's going next, go do that. But don't just like hang out here. Right. And my other tarot pet peeve is when other tarot readers ask for a reading, but instead of taking your interpretation of the cards, they decide to take their interpretation of the cards. And I'm like, then why am I even here? <laughs> like, Why am I? Right. Right. Yeah. That's one of the ways that I love to learn about tarot is like going to another reader and just like letting them do their thing and like see their process and how they interpret the cards because it's an opportunity to learn something new. Like that's where I've done a lot of my learning is like going to other readers and having my cards read. 
and see how they go about it. Yeah. So my yeah. husband has been learning tarot and whenever you do the, the free short readings, like the one or two cards or whatever, mm-hmm. I'll have him watch your story. That's just like 30, 40 of these just like single card draws. And I'm like, watch mm-hmm. how she interprets this because you do a good yeah. job of both kind of going with the standard traditional meaning as well as kind of off-roading with something else that you've felt or kind of seen in the card or something that's jumped out at you that's not necessarily traditional but very spirit-led and I Mm -hmm. think that you have to do both when it comes to tarot and just for context so the listeners understand I occasionally host a free tarot readings on my Instagram stories so I'll put up like a little question box you pop in a question and then I'll spend an afternoon just reading cards for folks. And I do it in like little 15 second blips. Although sometimes I'll go on a tangent and give like three or four stories worth of tarot interpretation for one person. (laughs) And you always do a very good job. Thank you. I love doing it. It's so much fun. Um, It's really fun to do and to connect with people in an intimate way over Instagram. Cause sometimes, you know, it can be kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but I do think that that brings us kind of to our next part about tarot, as far as mixing sort of the divination portion with the actual memorizing of the cards, because mm-hmm. you have to sort of do both. Cause you know, they do have, traditional meanings that need to be, you know, acknowledged and respected. And there's a reason for those traditional meanings. It it gives the tarot a language to speak with you. Mm -hmm. But we have to also remember too, that tarot is a form of divination, which means that it's a psychic act. And we have to see the cards as keys to sort of open that psychic intuition. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I have people come to me that are like, I, I read this card wrong, but I was right. Like I looked at this card and I said that it meant something that it doesn't, you know, traditionally mean, but I was right in saying that they're like, what happened? And I'm like, you did divination. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. You saw the signs, you know, you caught the spirit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's beautiful when that happens. So don't be afraid if you're looking at a card and you, know the traditional meaning of it but something is telling you that it means something else today or in this reading go with that Mm -hmm. absolutely and that can be a little confusing for beginners if they're if you're having like really strong intuition about a certain image in one of the cards but it's not the traditional meaning you're like what do i do just (laughs) run with it and see what happens you will be surprised when Mm -hmm. at what shows up with it and lately too spirit has been hijacking my readings i don't know what is going on it actually kind of started when i was reading for you not that long ago a couple of weeks ago where at this point i'm i'm dealing out my tarot cards and not even looking at them spirits just like okay here's what you're gonna tell them and i'm like what and they're like (laughs) just do it so occasionally that might happen to you as well so if you are someone who's prone to catching the spirit don't panic it's totally normal yep Just go with it. Even like sometimes when I catch the spirit and I'm reading cards for folks, I'm like in my head, it's like two voices are running. It's like I'm getting messages from spirit, but then there's like my logical voice is like, none of this makes sense. None of this makes sense. But I'm just like, just keep talking. Yeah. Keep talking. They'll they'll get it. it. (laughs) 
<laughs> gonna use me lord it's fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so how many decks do you own oh my god i have so there's there's the question of how many decks do i own and there's how many decks do i use i probably own uh i would say maybe seven decks if you count like i think i have like one random oracle deck that was gifted to me but yeah i, I have about seven ish how many do you have I have about five. Um, yeah, I'm not a big collector. Neither am like, I. Like, I have my two tarot decks that I use, and then I use an Oracle deck. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just use those three decks, and that's about it for me. I don't often feel the need to explore using another deck. I mean, I've kind of been thinking about it lately. I've been like, do I want to buy another deck? Mm-hmm. And just, like, have an extra, I don't know, you know, each tarot deck, um, depending on the artist, like there are just these little things that they change and the artwork is just different enough that you can glean different interpretations from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I use pretty much exclusively my old crusty Rider weight deck, just your traditional, yeah. it's, it's bent in a just perpetual u-shape the edges are black and crusty yep exactly and people always tell me they're like like you're not supposed to shuffle your tarot deck and i'm i'm over here like i'm in vegas just just going for it so shuffle it however you want y'all yeah are you a fancy shuffler um sort of i mean like i'll do like a traditional like shuffle and then i'll bridge them um but that's about it I am like the world's worst shuffler. I feel so clumsy. I'm like, I'm a great tarot reader, but don't watch me shuffle my cards. <laughs> well, too, sometimes tarot decks will be like really big or like really weird. Yeah. Oops, too, that can and, make them very hard to texture. Yeah. But the shuffling, it doesn't really matter so much. I, I used to read um, for a girl who was blind on occasion. And what she would do is she would just spread them out on the table and just kind of like mix them up and then gather them back up again and then hand them to me and Mm. it worked it's Mm -hmm. just it doesn't really matter as long as you get them all mixed up do you have a favorite deck to work with you know i'm old-fashioned rider weight just where it's at for me but i also use the Usi design studio pagan other worlds deck that's my other favorite deck and i really like it because Beyond the, the major arcana has people in it, mm-hmm. um, but the minor arcana is just like it's just the wands and it's mm-hmm. like just the pentacles. But there's like imagery going on in the background. They don't have people in the minor arcana. And um, I'm not generally a big fan. I like to see what people are doing in the cards. Mm-hmm. But this one for this one, it really works. So it allows me to um, catch the spirit as you were saying earlier, a little bit easier uh, in a way. It's a gorgeous deck. It is an absolutely stunning deck. And um, not to like toot my horn or anything, but I made friends with the creators of the deck right before they released it. And um, apparently they took a shine to me on Instagram and they sent me one of the the very first run of their tarot decks. So it was like, what's the word I'm looking for here? 
like the first printing, the mm-hmm. test printing, I have the test printed deck. That's so special. It is. But I did hear that um, I was talking to Moth Mana. Yeah. Mara, who runs the podcast. I'm so sorry if I'm getting this wrong. Witches of the end or real witches of the end times. Mm-hmm. She was telling me that they oiled the deck. Now, oh. yeah, so it's like they oiled the cards. I so don't know like, what does it just make them real silky or like what? Yeah, oh. like it just they just shuffle really well. Ooh, yeah, I'm into that. I know that sounds sexy. It doesn't it? <laughs> no, so I'm like, oh, yes. so, so sometimes you do get turned on by a tarot deck. Like when I was right? holding the the golden thread tarot, I'm like, ooh, I'm like, I didn't know a tarot deck could be like sexy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I interesting. Those cards up, and I love too that you know you're talking about how it's kind of minimalist because you're right. So, but they also have imagery in the minor arcana where mm-hmm. there's like little animals or like you know rivers or things like that to help you out. One of my biggest kind of like pet peeves when it comes to card design is when they have like a really beautiful elaborate major arcana and then the whole minor arcana is just like four cups in a picture, like nothing else around them or things like that. That's kind of just lazy to me. And it's very, it's very unhelpful as a reader to not Mm -hmm. have any imagery to work with or kind of bounce off of. Mm -hmm. So they do a good job. They do. And they utilize the elements really well um, in the minor arcana. Um, Mm. One of my favorite cards of theirs is the two of cups. And it's this rock formation, uh, Mm. two rocks that have come together and they're kissing one another. It's called the kissing rock. Oh. Um, so it's like you have like this earth element plus the natural element of cups, the water. So I love that it's like this beautiful two of cups, stabilizing, grounded mm-hmm. energy. Um, it's really beautiful how they kind of mix it all up together. I'm very into that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I pretty much only use the Rider Weight deck, but I do. A friend of mine recently gave me the Crow Tarot, mm. and I'm very into it. They did a very wonderful job with it. It's really pretty. Um, it has great imagery in it, so I highly recommend that as well. I'm I'm though I'm very very picky about my tarot decks, which is probably why I don't have very many Same. because I so I, I have this weird thing where I have to have the backs of them. Um, symmetrical so they look the same upright as they do reversed because I I read reversals and if I can see that the card on top is going to come out reversed I have a tendency to continue shuffling until I know that it's not reversed Um, which is not something that you should do you should just go with it but um, Mm -hmm. so I I need the backs to be symmetrical so I don't get in my own head about it Um, but that's surprisingly hard to find Mm mm-hmm yeah, that's what I appreciate about the Rider Weight and um, the Usi Design Studio deck is the backs are symmetrical. It's just a simple pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works really well. But yeah, I have like um, like the sun in my Rider Weight deck. One of the edges is bent. Mm-hmm. So I always know where it's at. And I'm like, oh, I really want to get that sun card. <laughs> right, we're just going to keep shuffling until it shows up on top. Right. Uh, oh, right. and... And so a couple of tarot detail questions about your reading style. So um, Mm -hmm. one thing to talk about too, right off is that both Britton and I read slightly differently where I will read reversals and she doesn't, but that's totally 
Um, that's totally fine. And people get really weird about that sometimes, but you don't have to read the reversals. Mm-hmm. Um, the messages still come out the same. The cards will still get across what it needs. So if you are struggling with, re- with reversals or it's something that your brain just doesn't want to do, fuck it. Yep. Don't do the reversals. Okay. Don't do it. I love that. Yeah. Uh, plain and simple. Yeah. You don't have to read reversals if you don't want to, if it's a real struggle for you. Um, like I just, I, honestly, I did it because I was lazy. I was like, I just don't want to read reversals. I just don't want to. So I yeah. don't. Yeah. And likewise, folks who do read with read reversals, like that's fine too. Um, and it's beautiful and adds like a layer of complexity that I just don't understand, but that's okay. <laughs> and I have met very, very talented tarot readers who are all across the board on this. Some of them read the reverse, some of them don't. All of them get the same messages across and the the info that's needed comes through either way. So don't feel like you have to be in one camp or the other. Just go with whatever is most natural for you. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when it comes to dealing your cards, this is something that I find people have mixed feelings about um how when when you pull your cards do mm-hmm. you do you go sideways and turn them over so that they stay facing the same direction or do you flip them from the top i do this so we're we're looking at each other on video here y'all uh-huh. so you can't quite see it but i just grab the card and flip it over Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that would make sense too, especially if you're not reading reversals, because then right. you might flip them upside down. So, yeah, so she pulled them from the side. Yeah. So you just, just turn them over to the side so that it stays mm-hmm. kind of in its same, it's still pointing the same direction. I will freak people out so bad because I grab them and then I flip them over um, vertically. So if it's like, if, if it's reversed on top and I flip it, it will then be upright interesting and and that that freaks people out because they're like you're turning the card upside down but the thing is is that your divination methods will learn how you read and then adjust themselves to match that right my my tarot knows that i'm going to read it that way so it will flip itself so that once i do that it comes out the way that it wants it to come out Mm mm-hmm which is something else that, that folks should understand as well is that um, your your psychic things, your divination things will adapt to you. So mm-hmm. feel free just to continue going as you are and they will adjust around you. Yes, you become buddies with your tarot deck. Uh, you develop a relationship. So um, that would be a great, this would be like a great time to talk about getting to know your deck. Absolutely. Yeah, so one of the ways that I like to get to know a new tarot deck or just like check in with one of my decks is I like to do an interview. Mm. So you can make it up on your own, which I highly recommend. Just write out little prompts. Um, like, uh, what is the energy of this tarot of, of you, the tarot deck? Um, what do you have to teach me? Questions like that. Mm-hmm. And then go ahead and give it a shuffle for each pool or for each prompt. And then uh, have a little interview session with your deck and get to know them. That can be really helpful too, because some decks, well, I mean, pretty much all decks have their own unique personality and some of them will have affinities for different things. Certain decks will be there to give you the hard 
truth. Other ones will be there to, you know, tell you about your love life. You know, other ones, I have friends too, who have specific decks that they use for their ancestors or for communicating with their house or the land that they live on. So your tarot deck might tell you, you know, that it's good for certain things or that it might have an affinity for it. Um, But pretty much all tarot decks can be used to answer basically anything you're looking for. But some of them might have a predisposition or something that they like more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there is a third tarot deck that I actually do use on occasion, but it's one of those situational things. So if I'm working with the land or I'm working with um, like, natural elements like stones or trees or plants. I use the um, wildwood deck. Oh, I have a friend who has that. It's beautiful. It's a gorgeous, like nature based pagan deck. And I really love that because it works in elements. So you have like stones, vessels, Mm. and I'm drawing a blank on what the other two are, but it's a really gorgeous deck that works with like the natural cycles of the earth and it's very like earth based. So mm-hmm. I use that deck on occasion, like for very specific purposes. But then like when it comes to my writer weight, it's super all purpose. And then my pagan other worlds deck is a little softer. I use mm-hmm. it for like love and like relationship stuff. And just like if I want to deliver a sensitive message. Yeah. If I'm doing a reading that's specifically about friendship, sometimes I will, I will get out the Golden Girls Tarot, which is one of my most favorite decks. Whoever put that together, if you are listening, it is such a well done deck. Like it's the, the major arcana, the minor arcana. It is so good. Whoever put it together did a great job. The only issue that I have with it is that the, the cards tend to be kind of thin. And so I'm, mm. I'm often worried that I'm going to bend them or tear them. Um, so it's, it's not one that I use very often. But if someone has questions concerning um, friendship or like roommate, um, interpersonal <laughs> things like that, um, I do find that the Golden Girls do have the answer. <laughs> so. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So how do you get to know a new deck? Or how do you get to know a deck? I will often, the first thing I like to do is a process that I call tuning. And so I will, I'll, I'll take the, the cards out. Um, and if, it, if it's like a full moon or something, I'll just put them in, in the windowsill and kind of call it a day. Um, but if it's not a full moon, what I'll do is I'll just kind of like, and it, it kind of depends on what I have around and how I'm feeling that day, but I'll put some sort of like crystal on top. I don't have a lot of crystals. I'm not a very crystally person, but like I'll put like a shiny clear quartz or like a little piece of selenite on top and then kind of surround it by white candles, um, mm-hmm. like little tea lights. And then once they're burned out, then I feel the deck is ready to use. It's just kind of my way of, you know, I I cleanse it and then sort of bless it and fill it with good energies and then kind of get started with it. But I I don't do anything too interesting. And I like to kind of get to know the tarot on the fly. So as I'm using it, I'll start to kind of understand its personality and the Mm -hmm. way that it likes to speak to me because different tarot decks will speak to you in different ways. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of how I tend to get to know them. Nice. So let's talk unusual reading methods. Ah, uh, yes. When to go off-roading. Yes. I love this word you're using, off-roading. <laughs> off-roading. Sometimes it feels like it sometimes. You just kind of take a left occasionally. We're like, we're going through the brush. Don't know where we're going. But sometimes, sometimes it's helpful to just 
get weird with it. You know, let spirit lead you. Feel free to be unusual in your reading. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that I think a lot of people do, or, or at least both you and I do, is mixed divination and adding in a different type of divination on top of the tarot. And you do yours with bones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a few episodes ago, I told the thrilling story of how I sold my soul to the devil <laughs> to be a better div- uh, diviner. <laughs> we need like a lightning thunder uh, sound boom, during boom, that. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ominous music. So I did this crossroads right to become a better diviner, and I used my tarot cards and my bones. Little did I know that I would later combine the two and that I would be really good at it. So, yes, what I do is I lay tarot cards down. Usually I do a three card spread because five cards is like a lot. And I'm usually going to spend about two hours deciphering the cards and the bones together. So I lay down three cards, toss my bones around, I breathe on them, I give them smoke, I give them Florida water, and then I toss the bones and I read them based on where they land and how they land on the cards. And I only Mm. read bones that touch the cards. And it is a really fascinating way to read. And it gives like hella accurate readings, like Mm. scary accurate. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'll do something similar with, um, with a pendulum. If Mm. I feel like a card has more to say, I will use a pendulum to kind of suss out deeper levels in it sometimes. I also have a friend too, who she does her tarot readings using just the minor arcana. And then she has a pair of dice that she has her client roll to pull a major arcana. That is so cool. Right? So like if they do, if they, you know, roll the dice and it's like a a, a two, then they'll get... Oh God, what is the two? The uh, Emperor? Oh, the High Priestess. That's right. Right, Because the Fool is zero. Yep. And then one is... The Magician. That's right. And then the High Priestess, yes. And then the Empress. That's right. There you go. Um, So yeah, so so she'll do it that way to give people um, major arcana cards Mm -hmm. on top of it. So don't be afraid to get weird with it. And... Mm -hmm. Especially, too, like when it comes to tarot spreads, I didn't incorporate tarot spreads until later. I just started throwing cards down and decided this one wants to sit over here. That one wants to go over there. These two want to be together. Um, Mm -hmm. Feel free to to off-road with it. Yeah, you don't have to do the spreads that are like in the book. And a lot of the time, the spread that they're recommending in the book is the Celtic Cross. Mm -hmm. And y'all, that is a huge fucking reading. Like, that is so many cards. I had a friend of mine who does not read tarot. Um, They were, like, with a friend, and their friend did a Celtic cross spread for them, and they sent me a photo of it, and they're like, okay, what's this mean? And I was like... (laughs) How many hours do you have? (laughs) Yeah, like, just shut up and do not text me ever again. (laughs) Right. One thing I wanted to add, though, that might be an unusual tarot reading method. And I'm curious if you might do this as pulling a tarot card for a tarot card. Do you ever do that? I do do that. If I have one card, like say I've done like a spread, like a Celtic cross or whatever. And mm-hmm. there's one card that I'm like, 
sort of understanding, but I'm like, I want to look at this deeper. I will right. literally, I will just clear off the tarot, the, the, the tarot spread that I had, put that one card down and then start pulling more cards mm-hmm. to get like clarity on it or get more information. Right. So I pull cards daily. I usually do. I have like a card of the week. I keep this on my altar. I have a card of the week and then I have a card of the day. Every morning during my um, daily practice, I do my card of the day. And if I pull a card that folks tend to catastrophize, so nine of swords, eight of swords, the tower, death, death, etc. I pulled the three of swords the other day. And I was like, all right, I need context. I can't go through my day just staring at the three of swords. And I don't remember the additional card that I pulled on it, but it was basically like, you're just going to be hashing out some old stuff from your past, basically. Yeah, it's always nice just to get that deeper clarity. So don't be afraid to pull extra cards, even if they're not, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be in your spread. Um, Mm -hmm. And when it comes to kind of bringing in the divination portion of it, you know, when you have, especially like a big spread like the Celtic Cross, I, I will... I'll, I'll stop and kind of just look at the entire spread. Like, is there one suit that is more present than the other ones? Like, if there's a lot of swords, then I know that they are going through, like, some specific lessons. You know, if it's a lot of pentacles, you know, then I know that maybe it might be a work-related thing. Or um, in, in my spreads, if there's a lot of reversals, that tells me that they are facing a lot of blockages. Mm-hmm. And through all of 2020, all of COVID, everyone's spreads have just been reversed, just completely reversed. Everyone's been fucking stuck. So those are things to look at. Or like, maybe is there a color that's really prominent among them? Yes. Yeah. Is it sunny? Yeah. Or is it, you know, very blue and watery? Yeah. Or is it gray and kind of like depressing? Yeah. These are all things that you can kind of just at first glance at a big spread can really be helpful. So yeah, so don't be afraid to get weird, to go, you know, off book um, and kind of just see where the tarot leads you. Allow it to kind of take you where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. Um, And speaking of, sometimes it takes you off of divination completely and then we off-road into witchcraft with the tarot. Um, which is something that we wanted to talk about, uh, that you can actually utilize tarot cards in your witchcraft practices. Do you have preferred ways of doing that yourself? I do. So if I'm doing spell work, especially if it's like a big spell, I will lay down tarot cards that support the work. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I am looking for, let's say I'm looking for a new home. I'll lay down the Ten of Pentacles. I'll lay down the Four of Wands. Um, I'll lay down the Six of Wands because I want support and I want community to, mm-hmm. to rally around me and like support me in the endeavor. So any card that kind of has like a supporting resonant energy with this the spell that you're working on mm-hmm. can be really helpful to lay those those cards down. So like looking at love magic. I mean, we all know the cards that we put down for a love spell the two of cups or the six of cups something and the like lovers that. and maybe the lovers. I have a different look on the lovers than most folks. Ooh, tell me about that. So in the Marseille deck, 
their old traditional early tarot, it the lovers is a person being torn apart by two people. Oh. They're being they're being like tugged around and they're kind of like, okay, which who do I choose? And so it's a it's a card about choice to me. So whenever the lovers comes up, and this actually I'll get a little personal here, y'all. I was dating somebody and they were like, they were like, can you give me a tarot, a tarot reading? So I was like, all right. And he kind of gave me this mischievous grin about the tarot reading. And I was like, okay, so you want to know about us, right? Like, all right. So <laughs> I lay the cards out and I do a five card spread. And the last card is the lovers. And he looked at me and he was all like, ooh. And I was like, Get out of my house. I was like, this isn't going to last because I was like, at some point or another, and I told him straight up, I was like, at some point or another, you're going to have to make a decision about whether or not you want to keep doing this. And he was all gung ho about it in the beginning. And I had some hope there, but in the end, he chose his work and his job and his career over our relationship. Interesting. Yeah. So when I get the lovers, a lot of the time it's business related, like business right. partnerships. Um, mm-hmm. Like when when I was trying to get published, I kept getting the lovers a lot, telling me that I would need like an editor or an agent or somebody that would help me then to get there. Mm-hmm. Or and then, um, and then of course, then I met Judica, and then she helped me into it. Um, so mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of different meanings. And so that's interesting. And something that we need to talk about too, is that, you know, what one card means to one person will have a very different meaning to another person and your cards will adapt to that, to make sure that they're giving you the message mm-hmm. the way that you will often perceive it. Right. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't make you wrong either. It's like Jay has a different interpretation of the lovers than I do. Neither of us are wrong. Yeah, Absolutely. It's it's funny though that that he wanted to do a relationship reading for the two of you because that that's always dangerous. It is whenever I'm at like an event or something like that reading cards. There's always at least once this couple will come over and the girls like dragging the guy over and like sits down and I'm like oh, okay like am I reading for you guys individually or as a couple and like the girls always like as a couple and the guys just sweating profusely right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, you got to be careful. You got to be careful, you know, with what you ask the tarot, because all forms of divination are tricksters. And Mm -hmm. so if you ask them some shit like, you know, um, like, you know, people like Ouija boards or whatever, they're like, I hate the Ouija board. The one time I used it, you know, it told me when or how I was going to die. I'm like, well, what did you ask it? I asked it how I was going to die. Well, what the hell did you think? <laughs> like, you know, right. they, they will. And sometimes divination methods like tarot will kind of scare you on purpose because you're being an idiot. Like I had somebody message me that they kept asking their tarot deck over and over again, what was in the room with them. And it kept showing them the devil card. And I'm like, first of all, I don't think the devil's in your room. I think your tarot deck was just like, boo, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And they will do that. Divination can be tricksters. So, you know, Mm -hmm. use them responsibly and they won't be too saucy with you, at least most of the time. Right. Yeah. If you keep asking that one question over and over and over again, your tarot deck is going to snap back. Absolutely. Yeah, it will get it will get sick of you and right. give you some sass for sure. Um, but back to like tarot in spells. Yes. Uh, 
each each of the cards, of course, has a very specific energy to it, and we can we can utilize this in spell work. So as as Britton was talking about, you know, uh, putting out things like if if I'm doing like a road opening or I want to make a transition, you know, I'll use like six of swords or something like that to kind of make that journey happen. Um, other times, like if I'm cursing or something, I'll use 10 of swords or I'll use like the tower or something like that. But then you can also use them in charms. So if anyone here is familiar with uh, Madame Pamita and her parlor of wonders, um, she actually teaches a bunch of classes on spell work with tarot cards where she'll make charms where she like sews the tarot cards together back to back and put like herbs in them and things like that. Um, that is such a beautiful idea. Right. And I love it. She makes like all kinds of actual physical charms where she just like, you know, like sews them together, like staples them together to make little packets. Um, she told me once too, that for like a love potion, she takes a, like a tarot card about love and will just like set it on top of a glass of wine just to like tune the energy. Ooh. And I'll do that too, where like if if I've made like a charm for something, like say fertility or something like that right um then i would set it like on top of the empress and kind of let it kind of tune into that you know fertile energy or like the the queen of pentacles or something like that um to kind of tune that energy of the charm from the tarot card so you can do all kinds of things with them you know not to toot my own horn here but uh i make tarot anointing oils (laughs) you do Ooh, tell them about it i know i forgot about that i'm like So, you know, um, we're releasing this podcast probably in May or June. I just had a shop update. Um, I have done the fool, the magician, the high priestess, the empress, the emperor, the hierophant, and the lovers. So that's seven. Mm -hmm. Seven oils so far, but I am planning on doing the entire major arcana. And then a few minor arcana. I'm probably going to do the aces and then the queens because, come on, Ooh. all the queens are like yeah. the best. How to have the queens? Yes. I have um, one of her hero anointing oils. I have the high priestess. It's amazing. It's, you, you have this great way of exemplifying the card with the scent. Like, I smelled it and I was like, that smells like the damn high priestess. And I am a person who hates anything that has any sort of like, coconutty scent to it but i love this one it's wonderful you do a great job thank you yeah so like this is another way that you can utilize tarot to inspire and work on other things so i use the tarot i and i use like planetary correspondences the plant correspondences astrological correspondences along with essential oils and absolutes and co2 extracts and actual plant matter to craft an oil that matches up with the card. So for example, the Empress, I used Angelica because Angelica has got like this very mothering protective essence about it. Mm -hmm. So there's actual Angelica root in the oil. And then I utilize like rooty, earthy fruits and vanilla and florals for the Empress. And uh, it's really lovely you can do things like that too, um, mm-hmm. to create who knows what, I mean, you're only limited by your imagination when it comes to combining tarot with like art or mm-hmm. essential oils or like even food, I would take a guess. Like you could probably cook a cool cake. <laughs> <laughs> 
with with like a theme in mind too and that's a good way too to also get to know your tarot cards because a lot of times people will be like you know you should do meditations with like a specific card to really get to know it but like what better way than to like kind of like anoint yourself with an oil made with that specifically in mind to kind of make a deeper connection with the card Mm -hmm. too so i love that you know, another thing that comes to mind, I don't know why I just thought of David Bowie and I thought of the star. Because every time I pull the star, I think of David Bowie because he's the man who fell, fell to earth. David Bowie is also like, I love that man so much. We both share the same rising sign. But using the tarot to inspire your wardrobe. Ooh. Dressing up like a tarot card. So if you really want to embody um, a certain specific energy, Maybe you're kind of dressed up like you have a fool day, or maybe you're feeling like da- a daddy and you want to have that daddy energy. So you dress like the emperor. A lot of red, a lot of, mm. I like that. That's a good idea too. And I also do like um, when I have friends who are writers, I, I have a small group of friends that were all writers and um, they all tend to be fairly woo woo. And so when people get stuck in a story, like, you know, I don't know how to get from here to here in the story or whatever, um, drawing tarot cards will help you fill in the blanks or tell you where to go next with the story. If you get totally blocked as well, mm-hmm. there's so many uses and applications for tarot. Now coming to the end here, we have a listener question that I thought was relevant here. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, I've been told that negative entities can attach themselves to divination tools such as tarot. Is this true? Have you ever ran across this in your work? No, not attached. I've had things come through, not negative entities. Um, like spirits, things like that. Yeah, but I've had spirits come through just like that's part of being a, a psychic or a diviner is that sometimes spirit comes through. Um, but no, I haven't encountered that. Have you? Um, I have not personally encountered it. Um, in in my experience, it can happen, but can and will are, are two very different things. Um, I often find this happens when people are being very haphazard with it, or being or or, or doing dumb things like trying to contact negative entities with it, or they're not practicing any sort of spiritual hygiene. Um, this is why I often tell people not to dabble in any of this stuff. Like it is, this stuff takes some commitment. It takes some, you know, responsibility and practice. And so people will do stupid things with it. So it can happen in which something will attach to a tarot deck and then just give you scary stuff all the time. If that happens, you know, you can either get a new one or, you know, try cleansing it or whatever. But as long as you're practicing good spiritual hygiene, you know, cleansing your deck every so often and you're not trying to contact anything, because we have to remember anytime that an attachment is formed, we've either invited it or we've allowed it to happen. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't just happen randomly. There has to be a point A to point B connector there of how it happened. And so as long as you're not doing any of those things to invite something in or to encourage it, or you're not, you know, reading it in a graveyard on Halloween or whatever, like you're probably going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Yeah, I don't think that's something to be super concerned about. All right, y'all. 
Well, this wraps up our wonderful episode on tarot. Hope y'all liked it. Hope y'all learned something and are inspired now to get started. Uh, Make sure to follow us on the Instagram and have a wonderful day. And don't forget to do witchcraft. Do witchcraft. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.